brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back to our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here's the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. Okay, today we're going to be talking about social media and relationships. Um, you know, this is a really uh, hot topic. It, you know, I can't tell you any day that doesn't go by that I end up having to work with, as far as couples are concerned, uh, social media type of situations that cause trust issues. And, you know, we just have to be smart in this day and age because there's so much technology out there. There's so much communication. There's so much networking going on on the Internet that we have to be aware of how these tools impact our lives. And so, uh, number one, they impact our relationships very pervasively uh, just simply because people develop emotional affairs or actual physical affairs just by reaching back into their old Facebook friends and all that crap. I mean, it can really take some really big tolls on our life, but also it can affect our ability to get a job. It can affect a whole lot of things as far as relationships, long, lifelong relationships that we have with friends, just in how we manage these types of accounts and stuff. So, you know, I want to go back and, and kind of define what social media is because it's it's a phrase that we we throw around a whole lot and often to describe what we post on sites and apps like Facebook or Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, others. And, and if we use the term to describe a site like Facebook and also a site like Dig plus a site like uh, Wikipedia, you know, so what is social media? Rather than define the term using a bunch of jargon that would probably not, you know, just complicate things, the best way to get a clearer understanding of it is to break it down in simpler terms. Okay, so now the social part of social media refers to interacting with other people by sharing information with them and receiving information from them. Also, if you look at the media part of social media, this refers to the instrument of communication like the Internet. While TV, radio, newspapers are examples of more traditional forms of media, the one we're targeting the most here is the Internet, and it, it affects our children's lives. I mean, there is just so much involved in this. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a very broad definition, but we have to keep in mind that social media is a really broad term. And this is likely uh, as specific as we can get without zeroing in on much more specific subcategories. So, you know, if you're questioning whether a particular site could be classified as social or not, try looking for at least one of these things. User accounts. If a site allows visitors to create their own accounts that they can log into, then that's a good sign there's going to be social interaction on that site. And so that's the first thing that we have to understand. And you, you can... You can't really share information or interact with others online without setting up your own account. Also, profile pages. Since social media is all about communication, they always need a profile page, and it's often necessary to represent a person. It often includes information about the user, uh, usually asking for a photo, a bio, a website, a, a feed of recent posts, recommendations, recent activity, more like that. Also, if there's friends, followers, groups, hashtags, so on, individuals use their accounts to connect with other people so they can also use them to subscribe to certain forms of information. 
Also, uh, ingredients of social media are news feeds. When when uh, users connect with other users on social media, they're basically saying, I want to get information from these people. And that information is updated for them in real time via news feeds. Also, uh, personalization. Social media uh, sites usually give users the flexibility to configure their own settings, customize their profiles to look a very specific way, and organize their friends and followers and manage the information they see in their news feeds and even give information on what they do or don't want to see. Also, uh, if it's social media, it's got notifications. So any site or app that notifies users about specific information is playing the social media game. Also, information updating, saving, or posting. If a site on an app allows you to post absolutely anything with or without a user account, then it's social. And it could be a simple text message, a photo upload, a YouTube video, whatever that is. And then like buttons and comment sections. These are social media. Um, also, reviewing, rating, or voting systems. Uh, you know, besides liking, commenting, lots of social media sites and apps rely on a very collective effort of the community to review, rate, and vote on information that they know about or have used. You know, think about your favorite shopping sites, movie review sites. That's all social media. Now, there has to be a differentiation, and I don't mean to go into all this technical terms, but it's really important to understand what I'm actually targeting in this show. So the difference in social media and social networking, that is what we need to look at. As mentioned earlier, a lot of people uh, user use the terms social media and social networking interchangeably as if they mean the exact same thing, although the difference is subtle. You know, they're not the same. Social networking is a really a subcategory of social media. So the easiest way to understand the difference between uh, social media and social networking is by thinking about the terms media and networking separately. And so a lot of people post a lot of very personal information out there for the world to ascertain about them. So, you know, we, we can be very careless and, and, uh, and really very destructive with our life if, if we actually publish stuff out there on the internet that could stay out there for the rest of our lives and even beyond it. So now how does social media help our lives? You know, I'm going to go into the positive first because there's a lot of negative. But how it helps, you know, when tragedy strikes a home, it impacts uh, all of us on a basic human level. So, you know, uh, uh, it's really cool that uh, responding to tragedy or coping with tragedy um, it's very important that social media is out there because it can help people, not necessarily targeting one individual, but if you actually, as a community, can come together, use the social media to raise money to help people to get, to get Red Cross resources and all that stuff, it really, really works well in, in tragedy. And God knows there's enough tragedy all over this world. And so the ability for the social media to be out there and get instantaneous information into our eyeballs and into our brains, we process and are able to assist people very quickly. Um, also, uh, offering charity, you know, uh, if you need to get blood or, uh, you know, to a blood bank or if there needs to be an organ transplant or whatever, you know, there is really, or, or somebody needs a whole bunch of money very quickly and they're in a really bad situation and it's not due to their decision making, it's due to circumstances. Charity, you know, charity, uh, people are out there and love to be 
uh, giving to other people in need, not people that just want, but people that are in need. And so, you know, that's one of the great things that social media does. Also, uh, opening new lines of communication. You know, uh, you know, people are able to basically reach out to different audiences out there on the internet because people spend so much time to it. They can actually broaden their friendships, broaden their their relationships through chat rooms, through, you know, uh, genebase.com is really cool because you can find relatives that are out there uh, that you never knew about that you're actually related to uh, genetically. You know, there's all kinds of... uh, wonderful things of communication that goes on. We can we can actually uh, watch churches from different communities on the, on the media. We can YouTube, learn. I mean, I can't tell you how many recipes or learning how to use things or learning how to put things together that I've done on YouTube. I mean, YouTube is like getting a college education. I mean, it's a great thing. Also, uh, it's funny because uh, these little eight-year-old girls uh, taught me how to put something together for my, my daughter on YouTube. It took them eight minutes to do what basically took about 20 seconds to do, but it was really great. Um, also, uh, sharing hope and courage. You know, we can be very positive out there, and we can share stories that encourage people that are down. We can talk about, you know, things like cancer and diabetes and how to help people with Alzheimer's, how to help elderly. I mean, there's all kinds of really great things. Also, we can just post activities that are going on in our community and be able to get people to interrelate to each other. So, you know, social media is not all bad. It's how we use it. Um, also, you know, real, uh, re- reuniting loved, peop- loved ones and our family or friends, and also uh, showing fun things that are worth sharing that actually raise people's happiness level. You know, some people are just bored and they're, and they're, they're going through their life and they're, they're retired on the job, and all of a sudden they get something that's really funny and that just lifts their whole day. Now, here's how social media can hurt, and this is in a broad general term, and this is how people use it, and it can really hurt people. Picking fights in Facebook comments. I see people doing that all the time. I don't even have a Facebook account, but I I hear people that tell me in my sessions about people fighting uh, in Facebook comments, especially in family or friends, and all of a sudden, everybody is watching it. It's like a brawl that everybody's watching. And uh, not a good idea. Also, getting too serious about fun. You know, the compulsive overuse of social media and its games is fairly common, but but particularly among teens and 20-somethings, you know, an average of 35 to 49-year-old spends three hours a day on social networks. So when you check Facebook and launch a game, you don't know what or whom you're going to see or how you're going to do. It's unpredictable and very stimulating. And what's more, everyone who uses the Internet experiences this association. You think you're on for 10 minutes when you're really on for like an hour. Also, uh, people forget who's watching. You know, someone can tweet a lot and with, to lots of followers and instantly put someone else in a bad place. You know, uh, there was a Connecticut-based... Uh, reinsurance firm, it's, I think it was called Ginray, and, and there's been 36 verdicts in the United States against individuals for things they had done and said and shared online. The awards came to over $87 million just due to their Twitter postings. Also, you have to realize social media timestamps everything, so all communication, including email, are timestamped, and that means they're legal documents, and that is amazing. 
that is amazing. But that is exactly what they are because there's a true proof that that is you and it can be tracked back to you. And once again, it's time stamped. And so a lot of people don't realize that they're all, all those documents, all those emails are legal documents. Also, taking self, uh, selfies that seem like a good idea. You know, there's a lot of people, uh, you know, 31% of, of college admissions officers actually review applicants' social media accounts. And, and it's hard to know how they'll interpret what they find. You know, people are multidimensional, but their social media tends to be very one-sided. And so it's difficult to know what image you're presenting and who's looking and what they're taking from it. So, you know, what you may think is funny or fun or whatever, and you may be going through a college interview or a work interview, and suddenly they see your social media that contradicts everything that they saw, that can be very hard on you. It can hurt you very badly. Also, tweeting without thinking. Now, our current uh, president-elect likes to do that, but I would think that, um, I think what he tries to do, and I'm not trying to excuse it, but I think what he does is he tries to act like the common man and then make decisions that are different. Um, so, you know, what he, uh, he kind of has a Twitter personality and then he's got himself out there. So, that's kind of weird, but, you know, tweeting without thinking can be very destructive for people. Also, bringing your online uh, life to work. You know, social media has become so important for professionals, but that doesn't mean the behavior is altogether professional because people can read that. If, if uh, you put something on that has something to do with work and another person from work reads that, guess what? It can become an HR issue. All right, now let's really focus on the damage that uh, these uh, social media does in relationships. You know, here's some red flags. You know, it, it, the, the internet is a behemoth and it can put a lot of extra stress on relationships. When dating in today's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, addicted world, you have to be aware of how social media can affect your relationship. With all the privacy of social media, it's sometimes impossible not to think about the fact that your significant other might be inappropriately liking someone else's photos, Instagram, sending them to, uh, you know, sending them uh, pictures of themselves on Twitter. And a lot of people develop a social media personality and, and actually invent who they are on the Internet. And then when you see them, they're completely different than that. And there are a lot of predators out there that actually do that to get at our children. And if we don't... Uh, make our children not as exposed to these predators and get them off of things like kick and, and these crazy uh, pornography things where they're trying to collect photos so they can put things out there and lure people into their monetary traps. I mean, you really need to be very, 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 very careful about any picture you put of yourself out there, whether you're just shooting it to a friend or whatever, because it'll end up on the internet for the rest of your life. And I feel so bad for kids that put themselves out there and, and shoot their body parts and put them out there because guess what? Their kids are going to see those someday, likely, and they're going to go, gosh, that's my mom. That's my dad. Oh my, oh my God, look what they did. And they're out there for the rest of their lives. And, and for as long as the internet's out there, that stuff goes out there. So, you know, inappropriate activity. Here's, here's uh, the thing you want to look at. A major red flag is when you uh, see inappropriate activity happening on social media accounts with family members or partners. If, if they're liking pictures that make you feel uncomfortable, then it's time you speak up. 
If you're uh, catching flirty comments of other questionable behaviors, it's your job to call and see it. Uh, and call it as you see it. And, and that means if you catch your, your partner or, or a child or a, a family member liking a person's Instagram picture, wearing something sexy, and it doesn't sit well with you, reveal it. Catch it right off the bat and question it. You know, there should be no secrets in family and there should be no secrets in relationships whatsoever. You should be able in a relationship at any time to be able to question something your partner's doing. And you're doing that to protect your relationship. You're not doing that to go after them. You're just trying to make sure that you can trust your partner and, and get the right rule set and the right boundaries and, and also your family members, your children, get that right boundaries around those people. So you have the right to confront. You don't need to be uh, assumptive. What you need to do is try to find out what was your intention. What were you trying to do? Instead of attacking, you put this out there and I saw you like this and blah, 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 blah. That's not the way to go. What you want to do is talk about what were you intending when you said, uh, I really like your picture and, and, and she was so inappropriate or he was so inappropriate in that picture you know that is the kind of thing that we have to do in our lives today because this is the seed of where things bad things happen also if they're too private you know it's okay to be private on your social media accounts however if your family member or your partner is over uh, over private that should be a red flag they should refuse, you know, if, if he or she refuses to change their Facebook relationship status from single or post any photos of you two anywhere, then that is saying there is something bigger. When they're not posting pictures of them with their parents, when they're kids and, and their family members, that's an indication that, yeah, they probably want to be cool. But, you know, they're not really open about their family life or maybe they're ashamed of it. So we're going to go into more of this stuff and we'll talk about these red flags and then we're going to go directly into relationships after that. So we're going to take a quick break and come right back. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California, but he is here to help you no matter where you are. Visit drgbmft.com. You can schedule an appointment with Dr. Bell, and many major health insurance plans are accepted. Call or text Dr. Bell today at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com. Dr. Bell could help you take back your life in four to eight carefully constructed sessions. Stop coping and start living in the now. Call 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. Encouraged and connected on our lively, award-winning, healthy living power hour. Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to the Power Party for positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Visit StarStyleRadio.com. Oh, 
It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about the uh, social media, the Internet, and uh, also how our relationships can be affected by that. And I'm not talking about just our partners, but I'm also talking about our children, our friends, and all that stuff. But we're kind of talking at this moment about privacy and uh, privacy can be a really big red flag because a lot of people will leave out their, their spouse or they'll leave out children or they'll leave out certain information that is very pervasive in their life, maybe uh, what they do for a living or that kind of stuff. I mean, they may just very selectively use their Facebook. And if they're too private, that tells you, you know, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. There's a lot of secrets in this person's life, and that's not a good thing. Also, you know, when you're excited about someone and you want to shout it from the rooftops, you know, the Internet's a great place for that, especially like a Facebook where you've got lots of friends out there. So, you know, it can be a warning sign that when your uh, partner or someone in your family doesn't ever do that, and you know, you may want them to show you more of their uh, social media uh, personal uh, information and simply uh, communicate that to them that you're concerned. You know, also, too much personal information uh, can also be questionable. You know, uh, sometimes the couples that post too much are trying to overcompensate for their unhappiness and make it appear otherwise. I can't tell you how many people have told me, oh, my God, these guys on, on Facebook were so wonderful and so sweet. And, uh, you know, they talked about each other and they really expressed how happy they were. And all of a sudden they got divorced. <laughs> also, kids can get way overboard, way overboard on revealing stuff about their life, their feelings, their thoughts on social media. And that, you know, ch- children are hormonal. That's where they're at. And it's amazing because that stuff can stay with them the rest of their life. And they're basically looked at at the stage in which they wrote rather than the stage of life that they're currently in. You know, uh, that also can help them. So we, as parents, have to be very careful to be monitoring how our children are using uh, social media. You know, also, uh, th- however, if, if you're in a relationship where you know it's not going well and you're arguing constantly and your partner is still displaying too much social media, you, you may want to approach that topic, too, because they may be going in a negative light and being sarcastic or, or, or nasty or revealing too much information about the relationship or changing their status uh, constantly. Um, also, there's attention-seeking activities. You know, if, if your family member or your partner is constantly posting selfies left and right, you, want, you know, you might want to take a second look, uh, not at the photo, but at the relationship itself. You know, it's okay to have a couple of photos uh, of yourself here and there, but there's such a thing as too many. You know, if you feel as if your partner is posting photos of themselves to receive more attention, it's going to make you feel a little weird inside. You know, I mean, you, you, you're partner or friend or your children 
they should be fulfilled with the relationship or relationships. They shouldn't have to be fulfilled about the image that they're posting out there as, see, see, look at me, look at me, I'm next to this car, or I'm at Disneyland, or I'm at this place, you know? That's a little bit too much. Um, it, it shows, actually, that that person has a very low self-esteem. And also, they're susceptible to all kinds of other influences because they want everybody to accept them. Also, uh, if they're always on, you know, social media can become a, quite a problem if it's taking over someone's life. You know, if, if your date night is looking at like uh, you talking and your significant other is on their phone or your children are on their phone, you might want to shut it down. You know, some people can become obsessed with the false sense of reality and lose sight of what it is in front of their eyes. And, and if that's the case, you don't want to be a part of that. You do not want to have a third-party relationship with their telephone. Also, suspicious pictures. You know, a picture says a thousand words. You know, a picture on social media that you don't like can even say more. So if you're constantly seeking your partner in a compromising uh, pictures via the Internet, this might be time to speak up. Also, if they're out there doing the one thing that a lot of people do is get out there and look at pornography on the Internet, that is something that you need to understand what your partner is, what your children are doing in that place, because that also has social media uh, attached to it. Okay, now in relationships, you, you may want to lay off social media for your relationship's sake. You know, people who use Facebook more than once a day are more likely to have relationship conflicts arising from social media. And that's according to uh, Cyber Psychology, Behavior, and Social Networking, which is a journal. And, and even worse, those conflicts had a significant correlation with negative relationship outcomes like cheating, breaking up, or getting divorced. That's just more than once a day, they're on Facebook. Uh, you know, reach, researchers also conveyed and surveyed 205 Facebook users about how often they use the site. And if they've had fa Facebook-related conflicts with a, a current or former partner, and these conflicts ever led to cheating or breaking up, on average, people were using Facebook daily. So the researchers looked at any users who logged on more than that. And the result is that people who spend more time on the site and, and force have more Facebook-related conflicts and negative relationship outcomes. One noteworthy finding in that same study is these results only held for couples in relationships of three years or less. So it may be the case that Facebook use is most threatening for less matured bonds. So, uh, you know, also previous research, it's noted from the Cyber Psychology Behavior Network study that has shown that the, uh, a more uh, the more a person in a romantic relationship uses Facebook, the more likely they are to monitor their partner's Facebook activity more stringently, which can also lead to feelings of jealousy. And, uh, you know, that's also the, the, the study found that excessive Facebook Facebook users are more likely to connect or reconnect with other Facebook users, including previous partners, which may lead to emotional and physical cheating. So, you know, I can't tell you every day, every day, somebody in my office has had some bad interaction or something bad happen through social media to their life. All right. Now, rule number one. Avoid the premature relationship status change. Relationships experts agree that the worst social media faux pas is becoming Facebook official before you're actually official. 
You need to have that conversation before you change it. That is very important. And you should also hold off posting about a date or sharing photos of you two together before you become a couple. When a relationship is in its fragile dating stage, it's very important to have privacy. Intimacy needs privacy to grow. And that is so important. Also, you got to stop. If you're going to be in a relationship, you got to stop mindlessly browsing you know, uh, just logging on more time on Facebook is linked to more conflict. So it's smart to limit your daily posting and tweeting, especially if you're often sneaking a peek at your newsfeed while you're together. Even if you're just mindlessly scrolling through your feed while watching TV with your partner, it can give off the impression that they're not as important as you are. And so be aware that you're paying attention to them. And if they start complaining or showing annoyance, it's a sign that you've gone too far. Also, log off when you're upset. This is a key. You know, if you just had a fight and you're going through a rough patch, step away from the computer. This is not a place for you to be interacting with people when you're in a bad mood. You're going to say something or do something that's going to destroy your relationship or create even a worse situation with your spouse or partner. Also, uh, friend exes with caution. This is a huge thing. One of the riskiest features of Facebook is that it makes it super easy to connect and communicate with ex or old crushes, which is why uh, can exes stay friends? Well, yes, but it has to be an agreement with your current partner that they feel comfortable you communicating with that other person. Also, uh, you don't want to, you know, bragging also, you know, not all social media habits are, are relationship kryptonite, but if, if you over brag about your partner, it actually is an indication that there's something imbalanced or wrong in that thing. So that, that over communication about your partner can be a good sign that you may be codependent or you may be happy, but also you may be unhappy. Um, because your life is surrounding that other person. Also, there's some guidelines, and and, and you need to really think uh, about doing this when you're using social media. You know, I, I think one impact uh, internet has on relationship is the spread of the World Wide Web potential deceit. You know, my generation, when we started dating, we knew the other person was either home with their parents or at school, and all of a sudden, uh, you know. With their friends, went to school with us, so we all knew where each other was or wasn't because we were very close. You know, if, if we tried to communicate them, we called them on the phone. If, if the phone rang and rang and rang, and gave, we just gave up. You know, today we can literally um, track people by their smartphones, which is crazy. But it's also helpful, especially if you've got somebody that's suicidal or something like that. It can be very helpful to be able to, to locate where they're at. But you know, the bottom line is you can actually track somebody uh, within 10 feet of where they are based on their cell phone as partners. So we spy on each other. And so we have to conduct a life of integrity if we're going to have social media in our life. If we're going to have those cell phones with us, those smartphones, we have to understand that we have to also be responsible because they're, they're with us all the time. Also, also uh, we have to have some privacy and solitude. So if we're too much on the social media and we're too interactive on the social media, we are creating a virtual life rather than a real life. So um, here's some things that will create some balance and open, openness with privacy when it comes to social media. And these are just guidelines, but they're very important. 
Accept your spouse as a friend on all social media. Add your spouse on Facebook. Add them to any kind of accounts that you have, you know, so that they can see what you're doing and you can see what they're doing so there aren't any trust issues. You can have an open dialogue with each other about whatever's out there and be able to talk. Also, don't give out your passwords, you know. You know, don't give or ask passwords for email or voicemail accounts. You know, privacy is healthy. That means that neither of you in a relationship should be trying to get each other's passwords. Some people share them. That's fine. That's great if you have that kind of relationship. But we're all entitled to some respect and some privacy. Just like if you got a piece of mail that's named to you, that should be opened by you, not by your partner. Also, you want to share messages and discuss and forward messages that impact the relationship. You know, co- correspondence with exes, people flirting with you. Uh, you know, go ahead and get down to it and open it up with your partner. If that's going on, share it. Also, don't snoop. You know, it feeds paranoia. So if you have the reason to believe your spouse is being dishonest, just confront them. And if you're snooping and can't stop, pick up your smartphone and make a smart call to a therapist but you know what if you're gonna snoop don't talk about it don't tell them about it if you're really gonna snoop and you really want to find out a trust issue do all that work behind their back do not mention it do not suspect do not show that in your communication basically I'm saying fake it and 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 the reason I say that is because if you don't have proof you just look like a fool so the deal is if you really suspect you have to go out there and do it and I'm gonna tell you a little bit later how to do that if you don't trust your partner also you wanna communicate daily you wanna get real not virtual you know a lot of people fight online a lot of people fight through text and say things they really don't mean and when you see something in writing that is there in front of you that is a direct insult it's directly hurtful it's gonna stay in that text for the rest of your life or as long as they have that phone those texts are gonna sit there and they're gonna bring it back up every single time you have an argument see what you said look what you said look what you did blah 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 don't want that stuff to happen but we want to communicate and we want to talk and we want to let our heart our mind and our voice have some real face time with the person you love turn off that computer and turn to each other and that means to have an open dialogue with each other now what is emotional cheating you know in this sex obsessed culture we tend to view intimacy as merely physical and narrowly, uh, it's focused to sexual activity. However, it's not an accurate picture of the power of intimacy to create and forge personal relationships. I would suggest that oftentimes an emotional affair is stronger than a physical affair. And that is because they develop a friendship, which is what takes away from your relationship with your partner. There's much more intimacy than just physical contact. So it speaks to a sense of closeness, a sense of uh, familiarity, knowing someone and being attached to another person. It it is ironic to to equate intimacy with sex when sexual contact is often amazingly casual with uh, little real closeness, familiarity, or attachment. You know, as a culture, we don't understand real intimacy. Online activities, especially Facebook, are providing proof that a sense of intimacy and a sense of betrayal of intimacy don't require sex at all, much less physical contact at all. Uh, you uh, You know, as I've worked 
with married couples uh, in, in which one or both spouses have cheated on the other, it's become very clear that sex is, is rarely the primary force driving an affair, that the void filled by illicit sex is often emotional but not physical. It, it happens when a connection forms outside the relationship that begins to satisfy and validate unmet emotional needs. When deep emotional needs are filled outside of the marriage, the result is a type of an emotional adultery. And though what begins as emotional adultery often goes into physical. You know, for many people, social media and virtual relationships provide a safe venue to uh, share deep thoughts and feelings. And, you know, sure, some people just post and communicate what they do on a daily basis. This becomes boring pretty quickly and doesn't form an emotional connection. So, as imagine the string of status updates from someone's, uh, you know, got up, went to Starbucks, had a meeting, pasta for lunch, drove home in traffic, fed the cats. That's boring. So, all, oftentimes, what people want is to get in social media and have something more engaging. And it's almost like their entertainment. And so, that's where this emotional cheating can take place because we start talking about our, our, our emptiness, our loneliness. And, and by the way, and I've said this before, any relationship or marriage has lonely pockets. You know, when a ma- relationship is not working, it can be the loneliest place in the world. And if people develop a personality in social media where they connect with other people emotionally, they're going to want that more than their partner, which makes the communication between them and their partner and their relationship much more fragile and much harder to fix. All right, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, emotional cheating. Then we're going to talk about cyber sex. All right, come on back. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Do you like what you're hearing on the show today? Dr. Gary Bell wants to help you no matter where you are. He's fast, efficient, effective, and has a no-bull approach to helping you in less than 10 sessions. If you're ready to change right now, drop everything and call or text Dr. Bell at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. You can also follow Dr. Bell on Twitter at drgbmft for some great insight and direction. Are you ready? Make that change. Pick up the phone or go to the site, 951-818-7856 or drgbmft.com. Remember, drgbmft.com. The Compassionate Life is about just that. There are so many human beings who have made a name for themselves by being humanitarians. They have become individuals who are known for being selfless, kind, and compassionate. Host Dr. Brittany King is also one of these humanitarians. Each week she shares stories of kindness that she has experienced throughout the world, both as a contributor and recipient of these acts of love and kindness. Listen every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Looking 
inspired, encouraged, and connected on our lively, award-winning Healthy Living Power Hour. Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany, live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to the Power Party for positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Visit StarStyleRadio.com. on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but... If you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back. Okay, we're talking about social media and relationships. You know, the intriguing aspect of online communication is it's not necessarily the what, of people's lives, but the why, how they feel, you know, these are windows to their life and their soul, and this can be very compelling. This is the essence of the emotional connection that can occur in online relationships. For many people, this virtual world, unfortunately, becomes their primary outlet for intimate communication. So, they become more willing to share their thoughts, their feelings, or concerns with their community rather than their real friends and family or their significant other. As such, you know, online communication can pose a very strong threat of emotional adultery in relationships, especially a marriage. You know, many people make cyber connections with the opposite sex based on ideas, thoughts, feelings, the foundation of emotional life. But this virtual relationship begins to feel, fill their emotional void in their life and consequently becomes valued higher than their physical marriage. Whether it is a high school crush rediscovered on Facebook or a new love interest found in a chat room or a dating site, these online relationships can emotionally overtake a marriage before physical contact is ever made. Could this happen to you? Well, I could tell you it happened to me. My ex, and yes, I am divorced, but now I'm married, but my ex uh, cheated for two years. And where they get it? Facebook. It's amazing. It can happen to anybody. If you spend more time and energy explaining who you are and the intricacies of your daily life online than you do in person, you are at risk of losing your real-life relationship to a, vers- you know, a virtual person. Although there are stories of people rekindling their, their love, this is a minority. A, a lot of destructive things happen out there. People uh, basically building a relationship online, which makes them very excited. You know, here's some takeaways. Protect and honor your relationship by not starting down the slippery slope of emotional adultery. You know, it's easy to justify a friendship when there is nothing going on. But if you need to defend a, fr- a friendship uh, either to yourself or your partner, you might be further down that slope than you realize. Also, emotionally invest in your real-life relationships. Relationships, and especially marriages, require a great amount of time and work. Opening up, being vulnerable, and proactively sharing your life with your significant other is the best way to proactively avoid 
an emotional void. You know, secure your most intimate relationship. Now, let's talk about cyber sex. It's, it, the typical affair used to start in the office and move to a seedy motel. But the vast reach of the Internet has brought infidelity into many couples' homes. So the growth of a steamy chat room conversation and cybersex has also triggered a rethinking of the meaning uh, infidelity. I mean, people uh, will get on things like Skype or some kind of a, a virtual room where they can look at each other on the computer because now computers have cameras. And guess what they're doing? They're having cybersex. Yes, they're not touching, they're not there, but they're commanding each other to do different things. And guess what? It's a big moneymaker. Yes, sex is a multi-billion dollar industry. So it's not just that you're communicating with someone online, but there is a sexual or emotional nature to it. And so that uh, triggers something in our brain that can be very powerful and takes away from people that we're with. While there's no uh, universally accepted definition, an internet affair frequently involves intimate chat sessions, sexually stimulating conversation, or cybersex, which may include uh, filming mutual masturbation on a web camera. So uh, several studies have suggested that even when there is no uh, in-person contact, online affairs can just be as devastating as real-world variety, triggering feelings of insecurity, anger, jealousy. Uh, women usually feel more threatened by emotional betrayer of a person, uh, partner's online affair, while men are more concerned about the physical encounters. So, um, you know, it, you, we have to look at all of this. And so we have to, in a relationship, have a very, very open dialogue. And with your children, especially with these webcams, these these predators are out there setting children up to do webcams and do shows for them on the Internet naked. And so, you know, you want to be checking on your kids, especially if they're interacting on social media on a continuous basis, not only to see what they're doing, but also just checking in because you want them to know that they need to have a real relationship with you. Also, you know, right under your nose, you know, Americans now spend as much time online as they do watching TV, about 13 hours a week. While TV viewing has remained fairly constant, time spent surfing the web has increased 120%. That's just in the last five years. You know, so many uh, practitioners are seeing more couples like me because of online affairs and are, are addressing all new issues. And it starts in the home, which is very different than most affairs. It starts right under your roof on the internet. While most relationships are, are hampered by uh, workday realities as household chores, paying the bills, online relationships exist in the electric world where uh, strangers construct their own identities. And we have to understand they are identities. They're not the true person. So fantasy is also a huge factor in online affairs. Fantasy always trumps reality. Your primary partner will never, ever be able to compete with a fantasy partner. You know, they just can't win. You know, according to uh, people with low self-esteem uh, and a distorted body image, an untreated sexual dysfunction or a prior sexual addiction are more at risk to develop addictions to cybersex and online pornography because it doesn't interact with them in a way that it, it, it triggers their uh, thoughts about their body or their, their sexual dysfunction or their sex addiction. It doesn't judge them. It actually makes their fantasies come true. And so a lot of these people with low self-esteem get very addicted to Internet. You know, uh, 
therapy becomes very complicated if the cheating partner doesn't believe their online activities qualify as an affair. You know, a lot of excuses you hear is, I didn't have sex with the person. I didn't going to go out and see anybody or catch any diseases. But the other partner, real, you know, they really feel an emotional betrayal, that they're going through the same feelings as if their partner was having a real affair. So while we were doing this, you were doing that. On the internet, I can't tell you how many times, you know, why you were arguing with me, calling me names, doing this, doing this. You were doing this on the internet with this other person. You know, this is huge. Instead of improving your communication with your partner, you'd rather spend time on the internet doing something with somebody that's out there and it's basically a, a, a fake personality. So, you know, the, the, uh, the cost of internet access have dropped enormously. Also, which causes this uh, issue to be so pervasive. You know, um, the therapy that we use as therapists is very much similar to uh, traditional affairs, but we have to work the issues of betrayal, trust, and forgiveness. And that, that's all the theme. It's just that we have to be more creative about it because we have to open the spectrum of what an affair really is. So how do you cheat proof a relationship? You know, uh, for the overwhelming majority of affairs, it's not about sex, it's about the feeling lonely. And that's what we have to understand. So if you want to cheat proof your relationship, you want to touch your partner non-sexually every day. And I, I, I tell people, you have touch points. Basically, a touch means a kiss, a holding of hands. You have to enter their energy, enter their energy around their body, the place where nobody else is supposed to be. That place is your real estate. So you want to enter that space at least 12 times a day. Doesn't mean it's all feel your butt, you know, grab you, whatever. It's it's about just touching, about knowing that you both are there for each other. And the more that people touch each other, in a non-sexual raise, that, uh, way, this raises oxytocin and the bond, which is a bonding hormone. So that is a very, very important thing. You know, with a lot of physical affairs, the deal is is that somebody outside that doesn't belong in that energy zone enters that energy zone, and that oxytocin hits in, and now they're both interested. So you know that can be a vulnerability point if you don't enter each other's space. Also, you want to make time to talk. You know, it's important to uh, make fun time together as a couple a priority. And talking doesn't mean trivial. Talking can be about feelings, about thoughts, about what's going on in the world and how you're relating to it, what's on your mind, how you're feeling, your insecurities, whatever they are. But you want to have that open uh, conversation together where you're actually bonding as human beings. I mean, that's huge. You know, and you also want to use kindness. Uh, and, and this sounds obvious, but feeling appreciated can make a relationship stronger. A lot of people forget to appreciate what each other does for each other. The more you talk about the good your partner does and your partner talks about the good of what you do, the stronger you feel about your relationship. You also want to reinvent your sex life. This isn't about taking uh, pole dancing lessons, by the way, but you know something bra- braver than that is creating the sex life that you want, and that is a work in progress. So, you know, people invest no time. They have sex for 16 minutes, 
if they're lucky, and then uh, they expect miraculous things. Well, sex should be something that is ongoing, and it should be volatile in its time. That means that maybe you got the quickies when the kids aren't there or the kids are outside the door, but maybe there's the longer-term time where you are really spending more time together and nourishing each other and caring for each other. So it's not about uh, always about quantity. It's about quality of sex life that keeps people bonded together. And and think about why you love your partner. You know, that is huge. You know, periodically we get out of our honeymoon uh, and we start thinking about our honeymoon phase and we compare where we're at to where we were. Well, you'll never get the honeymoon phase back. So stop thinking about that. You have to continuously Talk about why you're together and what got you together and try to reinstate some of those values of where you're at. You know, it's not a bad idea to slow dance every once in a while. You know, when we feel disconnected, get together and maybe just slow dance and try to get in each other's space a little bit and try to enjoy each other. You know, and also, um, it sounds counterintuitive, but, you know, sometimes you want to give each other space, too. By having a support system outside your relationship can make it more cheat-proof. You know, people who are too dependent expect to be more than one person can give, and they start to quarrel. So that, that having to be the entertainment part of your relationship is not a good idea. It can't be counterbalanced. you gotta, you got to give each other space to do your own thing, too. And you also want to dig a little deeper into your life. When, when the emotional part of a relationship is on a starvation, that's when people start looking around. So, you know, you want to uh, – reconnecting requires asking vulnerable questions about fights that, that keep reoccurring and what you're afraid of and what you need the most from your partner. And, uh, you know, love takes attention. It takes work. That's what relationships are about. So uh, here's some uh, very interesting uh, signs – that uh, someone is cheating on Facebook. They often uh, lost in thought within uh, texting conversations and they never share what they're about. And so their compulsive smart smartphone use can be a constant source of friction in a relationship. Also, they get texts at all hours, including late at night. That is a strong sign that there's cheating going on. Also, if uh, you're, you're awakened to see them on Facebook or on their phone, but they quickly put it away when they see you. That is a very strong sign that there's an affair going on. And these are things that you need to talk about. You need to bring it up. Even if it's not happening, you need to bring it up. Also, if they're very physically possessive of an iPad or a phone or a computer, that is a very strong sign there's something going on that they don't want you to know about. Also, uh, commenting, uh, people outside commenting on Facebook while and sharing inside jokes and, and you have no idea what those things are, that's a real good indication there's something going on that shouldn't be. Also, if they get defensive about how much time they spend on their phone and even try to accuse you of bad you of bad behavior, usually the accuser is the one to be accused, by the way, uh, if, if you look at affairs. All right, so that gives you some, uh, some uh, interesting things to do, but also we need to look at uh, ways to catch them cheating. You know, uh, go to cheateralert.com. Or get a GPS device, trackingtheworld.com, or you follow their on online activity, or you uh, check on Ashley Madison or friendfinder.com. These are websites where cheaters go. Also, uh, besides a broken heart, you know, a cheating partner can leave you with a transmitted disease. So, you know, your health should be always on your first uh, priority. So, uh, private testing is also a unique resource to be able to do that. Now, when you confront a cheater, make sure you have the evidence, plan the confrontation, 
think about what you want, write down your thoughts, have a conversation, and give a very good time to talk and release your expectations. So you want to try to remain calm, you want to use I statements, and you want to address any reasons for infidelity. So, um, you know, and if you hear you've got infidelity, you want to decide if you want to stay, you, you want to commit to healing as a couple, and you want to get tested for STDs, and you want to, uh, to uh, reach out to others to help you. And you also want to consider therapy, by the way. That's our show. Our next show is Sexless Marriage. I want to thank everyone for listening. Love to hear from you. Get your feedback, drgbmft at sbcglobal.net or Twitter at drgbmft. Now, remember, a lion wouldn't cheat, but a tiger would. Cheating is not an accident. You don't just trip and fall into a vagina. And the last one is Facebook is like a relationship. Faithful on the wall, cheating in their inbox. All right, that's the show. Thanks for listening. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you.